Hot Talk 93.9 The Eagle, broadcasting live from the Zimmer Radio Group World Headquarters. This This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry. Get ready for interviews with movers and shakers from our community as we dive in for a deeper look inside Columbia. Now, here's your host, Fred Perry. And good morning. Good Saturday morning to everybody. Fred Perry here, your host. Uh, glad to have you here on the CEO Roundtable with us. we got a great show planned for you. We have a couple guests actually uh, coming in this morning. We're going to be visiting with uh, Kirsten Monk, who is the new area engineer for MoDOT. And then we're also going to be later in the program visiting with um, Amy Schneider, who is the director of Columbia's Convention and Business Bureau. And we're going to talk about the impact of COVID-19 on Columbia and Boone County's hospitality industry. So, uh, dramatic impact there. But first, let's welcome uh, to the phone lines, uh, Kirsten Monk. Good morning, Kirsten. How are you? Good morning. Glad I to have fabulous. Good. Glad to have you with us. Uh, you are a busy woman these days. Um, I thought maybe we should talk a little bit about your background, kind of where you came from, and and uh, what your uh, uh, current responsibilities are at MoDOT. Okay. I'm. Um well, I have been with MoDOT for the last 25 years, so I have seen a lot in my career. Mm-hmm. I spent nine of the first nine years in our central office working in planning, traffic, and design. And I spent seven years in the Kansas City area, actually in the area engineer role. So I worked in Platte and Clay counties, which have a good mix of urban and rural areas. Yeah. For the last eight years, I spent in our Columbia Construction Office administering our contracts, working with the contractors and our inspection staff, making sure our projects are built as shown on the plans and to our current standards. Yeah. Well, that's a lot of work. And, and uh, how many miles of roadway are you over for MoDOT right now? Well, our central district has 11,350 miles on our system. Yeah, that's amazing. Which covers 11,000 plus square miles over 18 counties. So we have a pretty large portion of Missouri. Yeah. So tell us about the central region. What what counties are in that central region? Uh, Well, the county, we have 18 counties in our central region. Okay. So, you know, they're, you can look at them on our website if you look. I won't make you list them all out. (laughs) Okay, well, I can list mine. I have Howard, Cooper, Monotaw, Boone, and Callaway County. Okay, so you're central Missouri. You got a big chunk of it, so that's good. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things, uh, this is a a prime construction season, and and, um, there are a lot of projects uh, going on all over um, uh, mid-Missouri, but kind of walk us through a few of the the MoDOT projects that uh, uh, people who live in Columbia and Boone County might be uh, noticing. Okay, we have ongoing sidewalk work on Providence Road. We are hoping to wrap that up in the next couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. That provides ADA improvements and gets us back up to standard for that. We have also kind of related to that is a fiber interconnect project, which is on Stadium, Providence, College, Route B. And basically these upgrades are going to be 
allow us to keep our signal timing in sync, and once connected, it will allow our crews to actually respond quickly to any kind of signal issues we have, or we can have the capacity to troubleshoot, make changes, and do all that in real time and from a remote location. Wow. And so you're, calling that a, our, you're calling that a Fiber Connect program? Fiber Interconnect. Oh, Fiber yeah, Interconnect, that okay. Ties, that ties our signals together, so, you know, we can work them as a system. We don't have problems with them getting off time and time tends to drift on traffic signals so this will hopefully let us address issues more quickly and in real time yeah some of our listeners might be surprised to hear that our signals are currently coordinated so there there's really there is a there is a method to the madness right well that is right you know <laughs> some methods work better than others you know some of them are Currently under the old-fashioned, so we are trying to get upgrades going on those. Yeah, yeah. And so you're actually burying fiber between the uh, the, the lights, the, the lighting systems? Yes. Okay. Yes. We are working on stadium currently. You'll see, you know, the fiber equipment out there where they're trenching and boring underneath the roadway. They're basically working off the shoulder. We're trying to stay, you know, avoid traffic yeah. lane closures. So is MoDOT doing that work themselves, or do they sub that out? No, that was a contract that we let out earlier this earlier this spring. Okay, good. And um, any roadway projects? Uh, so you know, I know that you have uh, Providence Route K one sixty three. That's a pretty extensive uh, project, uh, and that of course gets uh, traffic down to one lane. Which, uh, depending on what time of day you're driving through there, can can be uh, uh, very noticeable. Uh, any other roadway projects uh, this summer? Um. We did a lot of paving on the outer roads. This summer actually happens to be a very busy bridge season for us, Mm -hmm. especially on the Columbia Project Office. We're hitting a lot of those rural bridges and a lot of redecks and replacements on on those locations, you know, basically in Boone County to Howard County, Cooper County. We have a a lot of bridge work. We did resurface a lot of the outer roads in the Columbia and Cavalry County areas. Yeah. And we most recently have done some work on the Sorrels overpass. Yes. Uh, some of my constituents have called in about that. And, and uh, <clears throat> I know that in the past, uh, uh, and maybe it's an exaggeration, but people said, well, you could actually see through some of the decking down to the highway below. But um, you've, you went in there and uh, spent a couple of weeks and, and really got that in much better shape. And, and, uh, but you also have a future project planned for Sorrels Overpass. Is that correct? Can you tell us about that? Sure. That's, that's correct. You know, the work we did recently is just meant as a stopgap and, you know, to provide a better ride across that bridge and, you know, the less wear and tear we can do on it, the better. We do have a project currently scheduled for 2023 when we'll actually remove the deck and replace that and, you know, provide a lot more substantial improvements to that. Yeah. Does Searles Overpass have a, um, is it a, is it a part of our big future in terms of uh, access in and around Columbia? You know, there's been talk for years about, Maybe someday Sorrels Overpass could be the first exit off of I-70 into Columbia. Is that still in a plan or being discussed? I think it is in the Columbia Long Range Plan, and they are the you know lead on that, mm-hmm. or Columbia or Boone County. Yeah, it is not currently you know anywhere on our work plan or schedule. Yeah, in the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. 
We won't roll it out, though. I know traffic's growing, and, you know, that puts a burden on stadium interchange. So, Yeah, it'd be nice to have, um, <clears throat> you're probably familiar with 179 in Cole County, where that uh, uh, kind of several years ago was built and kind of loops around the city, uh, which uh, takes a lot of pressure off of some of those main thoroughfares in, in Jefferson City. But uh, it'd be nice for Columbia to sort of... Um, get ahead of that sometime and, and uh, ease some of the traffic pressure that you have at I-70 and 63 and, and uh, you know, Stadium, Providence, Broadway, uh, Nifong, uh, Providence, you know, just try to relieve some of that pressure because, uh, you know, that's, that is the biggest inconvenience for people uh, when it comes to growth. If they have to wait through two stoplights going anywhere, uh, Columbia is too big. And so really uh, figuring out a way to um, even out the flow of that traffic would be would be huge. But um, it takes a lot of work and money. It does. And I know the city has a long term plan to address that. Yeah. Good. How closely do you work with the uh, you're new in your role? I mean, you've been involved in, with construction for for nine years here, but uh, uh you're fairly new in your role as the area engineer for this area. How long have you been on the job in, in this capacity? I started this position on April 1st. Okay, so you're really new. Um, what type of communication? Now, of course, COVID-19 impacted that. But uh, typically, when you're up in Liberty or Clay County, um, what type of communication did you have with uh, interested parties and elected officials? Well, I, I served on a number of local community teams and organizations and different, you know, transportation-related advisory committees. We yeah. also worked with the city council for the city of Kansas City and for my area within their district. They would meet with regular, you know, citizens monthly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was a venue for citizens to ask questions of their Kansas City and MoDOT or any other types of issues or questions and concerns they had. Yeah. I've also worked with the local, you know, elected officials, whether it's cities and counties or our state representatives and senators, give them information and also work with a lot of customers. Yeah. You know, one of the newer, I'm saying new, but it's probably 10 years old now, but uh, uh, at Stadium, we have the Diverging Diamond. Uh, on Rangeline, we have what they, I think they call it the Dog Bone. Maybe it's, maybe that's just a nickname for it. Uh, but, uh, how common are those types of uh, traffic, um, I don't want to call it device, but uh, it's a traffic system, I guess. Uh, is that becoming more and more common to, to do those types of things? They are becoming more and more common. And I will say that Missouri had the first diverging diamond in the country. Now, where was that? Uh, that was in Springfield, down off of I-44. Really? Okay. Yes, I know. we had one designed in Kansas City and then... We were having right-of-way issues, so the first one got built in Springfield. Okay. And what what's the impact of that? Um, explain to me the engineering behind that. How Why does that work so well? Well, it works really well on interchanges where you have a lot of heavy left-turn movements. You know, a lot of people would go westbound on 70, get off at stadium, and are really looking to go left and hit the mall and hit those other locations out there that are traffic traffic generators, uh-huh. say. Uh-huh. You know, you've got Walmart, so by putting the left turn traffic on the 
opposite side of the roadway. It allows for more free movements. You've got less collision points, mm-hmm. you know, opportunities mm-hmm. for accidents. You're only looking one direction. When you're merging, there's no other traffic coming. You know, it's got a lot of benefits. You can run your signal timing different and be able to service more vehicles. So how does an idea like that evolve? I mean, do you, when you were taking classes, uh, you know, uh, before you started your career, is, is, are these techniques or systems that that uh, were discussed in, in curriculum, or is that something that just sort of evolves? Um, they, it's kind of evolved. You know, when I was taking the classes, they hadn't invented the diverging diamond yet. Mm-hmm. You know, that one, I think that came from Europe. Okay. The roundabouts had just started to get cold, and I think the first ones of those actually were down in Australia. I remember taking a course early in my career when I was at MoDOT mm-hmm. on, you know, designing and when they're appropriate to put in and that, and that was taught by a gentleman from Australia. Oh, interesting. You know, Europe has traffic circles, but those are much larger and have a lot more turning options on those than... I'm going to bet that, uh, of course, you have Ashland in Southern Boone County, part of your your region, your district. Um, uh, I'm going to guess that Ashland, Missouri, is the highest per capita of roundabouts per citizens uh, in any city in the world. (laughs) And they're getting ready to get a couple more. There's one under construction on the east side of 63, and there's a car share project that we'll be putting in at Henry Clay and about M. Yeah, that's going to be a big. Uh, that's going to be a big improvement. Uh, you know, that's those. There are some streets coming in at weird angles there, and and um, I would guess that the roundabout is is uh, going to solve a lot of problems. So uh, it will, and also helps us manage access. You know, when you just have open driveways and people pulling in and out mm-hmm. over a large area, it doesn't create the best driving situation. Um. Before we go to our break here, anything uh, anything on the long term that you're working on right now for this area that people should know about? Well, of course, I would be remiss if we didn't talk about the Rocheport Bridge. Oh, yeah. We have that project. What's the current there. status of that project? They are working right now on, you know, the different specs and things and how we want it to look like. They plan to start the procurement process early next year. Hmm. And, you know, we have do have deadlines and things to meet for our infra grant we received. They yeah. expect that to be awarded and under contract by next summer and hopefully starting construction next fall. Yeah, that'll be big. And um, it'll be here before we know it. Yeah, that's right. And uh, we will not be uh, interrupting traffic the way that. Uh, uh, we would have been if we were just repairing the bridge, but actually replacing the bridge uh, really is a far better option, uh, sounds like. Yes, most of the work can be done offline, if you will, and with the shorter period of time at the end to tie in, you know, existing I-70 to the new to the new bridge and new interchange likely at Rocheport also. Yeah. We are visiting with Kirsten Monk, who is the uh, new area engineer for MoDOT uh, for this region. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the summer travel season and some of the things that we need to be thinking about in terms of safety and and driving and so forth and uh, watching out for workers uh, on these MoDOT projects. You're listening to the CEO Roundtable Show. I'm Fred Perry. This is Hot Talk 93.9 The Eagle.
He's breaking down what's going on inside Columbia. It's Fred Perry on Hot Talk 93.9 The Eagle. And welcome back to the CEO Roundtable Show. Fred Perry, your host this morning. We have been visiting with Kirsten Monk, who is the new area engineer for MoDOT uh, here in this area. And uh, we just... uh, Wrapped up talking about the I-70 Rocheport uh, Bridge, which is going to be a huge project. Um, and you're thinking construction will get underway in the fall of 2021. Is that right? That's our, that's our expectation right now. Okay. So we have a lot of things to do before that gets underway, and we'll have to get a contractor design team under on board and that. But do you recall what the total price tag is going to be on that? Um, I do not have okay. that. It was uh, like two hundred and fifty or three hundred million. It was a big, big number. Um, it is a big number. Yeah. It'll be a big benefit for the Central Missouri region yeah. for sure. Yeah, it's, it's interesting when you look at some of the the research that Modot did. Uh, you know, there are. Yeah, I mean, this is a major corridor for for all parts of the country. You know, as you look at the movement of goods. Uh, so many, all four corners of the United States. So many products are moving down along I-70 uh, through the central region here. And, and uh, uh, so we, what, what is the car count? Any ideas? I'm, I'm kind of putting you on the spot there. But do you know off the top of your head how many cars are passing down I-70 through through mid-Missouri? No. No, I don't have that information. <laughs> Sorry, that was unfair. I should have warned you I was going to ask that question. I apologize. I, I would have been ready. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, uh, yeah, I know that it's, it's, it's probably a heck of a lot more than most of us would would think, but uh, there's a lot of cars. If you've been in an accident or uh, behind an accident on I-70, you you get a better feel for just how much it's used. Uh, that's that's for sure. So, well, it, I can say that traffic will stack up approximately a mile a minute every time we have a lane closed. Is that a mile a minute? Goodness sakes! Wow. Well, you know okay. that's some high volumes there, yeah. especially in town. And I believe we can it. Have incidents. We do our best to get you know business taken care of and lanes back open as soon as possible yeah it's hard when you've got a semi on its side and you know laying across two lanes of traffic and and uh maybe another one on top of that so it's yeah it can sometimes the interstate can be closed for a few hours at a time so it's a it's a tough one and our and our support is you know we do traffic management we are trying to be at the end of the queue make sure people are warned ahead of time that you know traffic is stopped yeah, here's another question for you out of left field. Uh, I noticed when I was coming across the Roachport Bridge the other day up at the Roachport uh, overpass, uh, I saw what looked like a camera. Do you have cameras along I-70? We have a large system of cameras, yes. They, Tell us about that. I-70. Yeah. What is that used for? They are used to monitor traffic. Sometimes, you know, we have construction projects within the camera view. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any of our any of our viewers can go out to our MoDOT website and go to our traveler information map. On the left hand side, you can turn on the cameras. And you can see exactly where they are. You okay. can click on a camera and look at the current view. Yeah. Okay. You know, if you have concerns, you know this this is good for regular traffic. You can check winter road conditions or see how traffic's moving on I seventy or any other region. You know the. Larger cities have multiple interstates. They're all up and down 29, 35, yeah. 670, 470, all those. Yeah, here's here's another left field question. Is MoDOT in any way involved in the Columbia Airport project? Um, our aviation section down in Jefferson City works with 
all of the regional airports. So, you know, I'm not directly involved. Our mm-hmm. district isn't, but our central office staff is working hand in hand with the city of Columbia. Okay. All right. Well, this is a busy travel season. Of course, a lot of people going on family vacations and, and uh, though traffic, uh, you tell me is a little down this year. There's not as, uh, the volume is, is not as high. Talk about that. Well, you know, certainly during the peak of COVID, when we had the stay at home orders and people are working from home, our traffic volumes were down about 40% statewide, which is a huge number. Mm, That is a huge number. And Uh, that, you know, that translates into less vehicles. Yeah. But the number of, the the number of accidents are, are up this year. Talk about about that. On our Missouri roadways, we, our current fatality number is 477. That's a 14% increase over the same time last year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with less crowded roads, people are speeding, you know, they're keeping track of the number of individuals that are being ticketed for going over 100 miles an hour. Oh. Crazy. Yeah. Any idea what that number is? It, I, it was a large one. <laughs> uh, you know, I if you've ever... Um driven on i-70 probably all of us can uh tell stories of uh cars that kind of come out of nowhere and and fly past you and and um uh yeah so that's just a a little overconfidence uh because there's less traffic on the road right and i think also people you know see less traffic so they feel like it's safe to pick up their phone they're texting they're looking at facebook they're sending messages they're talking you know we still need people to pay attention when they're driving and put away, you know, any other distractions they have. Yeah. So speeding and inattention uh, are the two things that are causing a lot of these accidents? Absolutely. You know, and then there's also the impairment factor. You know, that's in about, that causes crashes in about 20% of them. Mm. Yeah. Which is drug and alcohol influenced. Yeah. You know, the other thing I want to talk about is our seatbelt usage. You know, of those fatalities we've had, 70% of them are currently unbuckled. That's a mystery to me. I, you know, I'm, I'm stubborn. I'm bullheaded. I, uh, adapt very slowly. Uh, but, you know, that's just one of the things out of habit that I instantly do is put on a seatbelt. And trust me, it takes a long time to get a seatbelt around my body, but it's, it's <laughs> one of those things that, um, you know, it's, I, I hear a lot of people these days talking about not wanting to wear the mask, and and, and I get that, but it you know it's sort of like the seatbelt. Uh, this is kind of something that you sort of do for your own good, um, and uh, so you're tell me the number again, the number of people who are in accidents not wearing a seatbelt. What percent is that? Fatality accidents is seventy percent. Wow, not wearing their seatbelt, and we have determined that if everyone had been buckled up, we would have saved an estimated one hundred forty five lives. Just by simply buckling your seatbelt. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a mystery. Uh, what do you think it is? Just uh, um, people don't like the inconvenience, don't like the discomfort. Uh, what What are the reasons you hear for people not wanting to wear their seatbelts? You know, I think it's a number of factors. You know, it's not comfortable. It goes across your neck. It's wrinkling your clothes. I mean, people come up with any kind of reason not to buckle up, but. Mm-hmm. Statistics tell us that you are so much better off if you are involved in an accident, if you have your seatbelt on. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Um, 
Let's talk about safety on the roadway, and and you've got a lot of work crews out there. We uh, drove to Kansas City last weekend, and and uh, they were uh, some between uh, I think uh, Blackwater and and uh, Concordia. They were they were doing quite a bit of uh, road work on a Saturday. Um, but you know you got workers out there, and of course um, you have the constant issue with inattention. Do we have any worker fatalities this year in Missouri? Um, we have had eight work zone fatalities within our state system so far this year. I don't believe any of those have been MoDOT employees, but wow. like, you know, most of the time, the fatalities in our work zones are not people on the job. They are the drivers in the vehicles. Wow. And and again, it's just—is it primarily inattention? Is that what's what's happening? Right. You know, that is it. People aren't slowing down. You know, we have reduced speed limits through our work zones that people disregard. They don't see a person out there. They don't feel like there's a reason to slow down. You know, we have obstacles closer to the roadway than they normally are. We might have barrier in place. Mm -hmm. There's a number of, you know, different factors that we look at. Attention is certainly one of them also. Mm -hmm. If people are, uh, if they have a, a I, one of the things I have found as a county commissioner is that uh, a lot of people really don't know what's a a MoDOT road or what's a county road or a city road. But if somebody has a question about their road, um, maybe we should just spend a few minutes educating people about the the MoDOT responsible roadways in mid Missouri. I think a lot of people are surprised to hear that Providence Road is a MoDOT road. Roadway. What what are, what are the other big arterial streets that are that are actually MoDOT responsibility in Columbia and Boone County? Um, we have Providence. We have yeah. College Road, Range Line is ours. Business Loop seventy, parts of Broadway, from Stadium to the east, I suppose, I, or west. Sorry. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> Scott Boulevard. Yeah. Yes. Well, before it turns to Scott Boulevard. Yeah. We have Broadway to where it goes to ZZ that does that out by Sorrels and the outer road systems. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know, any any roadway that has a number on it is ours. Or a letter. And you will see those letters are ours. We yeah. received all, all the lettered roadways. Used to be county roads. Thank you very much for taking those. We appreciate that. Well, we'd like to give them back. (laughs) I know you would. (laughs) But back in the 50s, there was a tax increase, and we agreed to take on all these, the letter drought system. And so we have definitely, we have the seventh largest system in the U.S. Yeah. Uh, my guest last week on the program was uh, Justin Gay from Emory Sap, and we we were talking about MoDOT, and, and, you know, I got to tell you, MoDOT does an excellent job, uh, you know, especially in this area. I mean, our lettered roads, our numbered roads are in great shape. Uh, I know that it's a lot of work. I know there's a lot of volume on these roads. There's, um, uh, but, you know, for the most part, you know, the roads are in excellent condition. And I, I think MoDOT has done a great job in spite of the very limited resources that MoDOT has. Um, you know, they, they really have done a great job of, of, uh, staying on top of these these projects and, and the road maintenance. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you is that, you know, you've been with MoDOT for 25 years. What have been the big changes? What, what, what has changed the most since you began your career with MoDOT? I think we are interacting with the public a lot much, a lot more than we ever have. 
You know, our organization has worked very hard to become transparent. You know, where we have things out on our webpage, and you know, we didn't have web pages when I started, but it's a wealth of information out there for people to look up. They can contact MoDOT. We have a customer service centers that we didn't have back when I started. Mm-hmm. We have people answering the phones twenty four seven. We don't have an automated voice system where you're pushing buttons to finally reach a person. Oh. That's Anybody nice. that calls MoDOT will actually get a person. You know, we answer questions about construction projects. We have answer, you know, speed limit inquiries or pothole. You know, we we can't be out on the road everywhere every day. Mm-hmm. So we appreciate actually people letting us know when we do have potholes. Do you give her many calls about please. mowing? We do get a lot of calls about <laughs> mowing. You know, particularly those that are of interest to us or. When people can't see to pull out safely out onto another roadway. Yeah. You know, over the years, we have reduced our number of mowing cycles. We used to do five. Now we're down to three. Three during the whole summer? Three during the summer, yeah. Wow. Okay. So we are strategically timing those. You know, we also use plant growth regulators, PGRs, to reduce growth along the right-of-way. To hmm. A number of other tools that we have to try and reduce costs and... You don't have Definitely pollinator. Do you have pollinator areas? Like, um, we are working on those. I know the city has several, several along you know downtown yeah. areas. The pollinators are well, what an eyesore. Those are. The, I mean, as a constituent, <laughs> that that is. I, I cannot think of any ugly thing uglier. Now I understand the purpose of you know wanting to advance the cause of the pollinators, but but man, yes. those are ugly. Ugly, ugly. Well, you know, I would like to see us do more of those, but actually like on rural bridge areas, mm-hmm. plant, make those, you know, pollinator friendly and provide provide for our little winged friends out there. Yeah. Well, Kristen, we appreciate you taking time out. If people want to find out more about MoDOT, uh, what's the best way for them to contact MoDOT? Um, they can go to our website. All it's, right. MoDOT.org, I believe. Mm-hmm. Or you can call 888-ASK-MoDOT at any time. Wow, okay. You're looking to reach an individual or you have questions or don't know whether you need a permit or you want to put a driveway onto a state route. There's all kinds of information out there. Very good. We'll be happy to assist anybody that has any questions. Well, we appreciate your time today. Thank you very much uh, for giving us a quick update on all things MoDOT here in Mid-Missouri. Coming up next, Amy Schneider, the director of Columbia's Convention and Business Bureau. This is Hot Talk 93.9 The Year. You're listening to Inside Columbia with Fred Perry on Hot Talk 93.9 The Eagle. And welcome back to the CEO Roundtable Show. I'm Fred Perry, your host. We're uh, very pleased to welcome to the studio line Amy Schneider, who is the director of uh, Columbia's Convention and Visitors Bureau. Amy, good morning to you. Good morning, Fred. How are you? I'm doing great. Glad to have you with us. There's a lot to um, uh, talk about. You know, one of the the big casualties, the big uh, tragedies of COVID-19 from a business standpoint is what has happened to Columbia's hospitality business. And and that is something that is, uh, man, there has been a big toll taken on our local hotels and, and restaurants. Uh, what are you hearing from from the industry right now? 
You know, they are, um, they're troopers. They're doing the best that they can. Um, we've got hotels that used to have 100, 200, 300 employees that are now down to a handful. You've got general managers that are answering the phones, cleaning the rooms, doing the cells. Um, everyone is multitasking and, and they're tired. They're tired and um, they're working hard. What would occupancy rates uh, look like typically during the summer months, you know, June, July, August? Um for instance, June in, two, in 2019, we were sitting at about a 63%. Um, July of 2019, we were you know, right at 63, 65%. Um, and then if you look at June 2020, that's at that was forty three percent. So we were about a thirty two percent drop. Yeah. Um, you know the uh, unfortunately, I, that was good compared to April where we set at twenty one percent, and May where we set at thirty percent. So the numbers are slowly going up, but even you know at the highest they've been since March, they're still you know, 32% lower than what we usually run. Now, I'm going to assume, I don't know a whole lot about the hotel business, but I'm going to assume that the money makers are these conferences and conventions uh, that a lot of our local hotels host. Um, and not every, not every hotel has uh, facilities for a conference or a meeting, but uh, they are the overflow hotels for the, for the larger hotels. Um, so what's happened with conferences and conventions? Um. They've gone mostly virtual at this point. Um, we're hoping that they get back in person soon. Um, meeting planner sentiment, uh, when we first closed down in March, meeting planners that had meetings in March and April were pushing their meetings back to June and July. When we saw that things weren't going to bounce back, so to speak, then they moved it back to the fall. And now we're seeing people wanting to reschedule their meetings into 2021. Yeah. And a lot of those meetings, even if they're keeping them, they're making them hybrid meetings. So you've got virtual meetings and you've got in-person meetings as well. So that is really revenue that is lost forever. I mean, there's no way of sort of uh, recouping that revenue. It's, it's just gone. Correct. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, I, I don't know that people really understand that a lot of times the um, conferences and conventions that we have here in Columbia uh, are conferences that, that come every year for several years. Uh, sometimes they're on three year contracts, but but there's a, a lot of repeat business. And, and uh, that is business that um, um, that's that's just a big chunk of our hospitality industry. Is that correct? That's absolutely right. They, um, we have 11 conference host hotels, and those hotels depend upon those conferences and meetings. And, and you're right, even if a hotel doesn't have conference or meeting space, they get the, they get the carryover from the conference hotels, or they get the people staying there that may have stayed in another hotel, but it's full because of a conference. So it's a, you know, it's a total domino effect. Yeah. Um, we do have sports tournaments that are fillers, but they're not going to fill up every hotel. We like to do layers. So you have conferences, you have sporting events, and when you have everything together, that's when you get a, a healthy, vibrant city. Yeah. Um, 
you know, and I think that that is sort of there's a trickle down from this and the fact that uh, when these folks come to Columbia and use our hotel rooms, they pay something called a bed tax. Uh, right now, what what percent is, is Columbia collecting on, on for a bed tax? So our bed tax right now is 5%. Okay. And out of that 5%, 1% goes to the airport terminal project. Mm-hmm. 1% goes to what we call a tourism development program. Mm-hmm. And so that is what we use to help um, fund and attract festivals, events, sporting events, um, to kind of get those events started and um, up on their feet uh, as True Falls Festival, Roots and Blues, uh, Art in the Park. We always swing jazz series. And then the leftover 3% from the bed tax, that completely 100% funds the department. So that is everything from operational cost to all of our sales, our PR, our marketing. Everything that we do comes from that 3%. Yeah. Uh, so we, you know, we we get nothing from the general funds. We have we depend upon that bed tax. That's why, uh, you know, we want we want to see the hotels healthy for community economic reasons. But that's where we're getting our funding funding to attract people. So it's 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 a circle effect. So that money goes away, and which uh, reduces your ability to market for the future. I guess correct. Yes, we've uh, we've made some cuts. And that uh, those cuts had to go into our sales and marketing. Yeah. What are you hearing about the, the local restaurant business? I know that's not really under your domain, but uh, uh, it's a big part of why people come to Columbia. Uh, what, what, what's the word you're hearing on the streets about the, the fate of Columbia's hotels? Uh, of restaurants, I'm sorry. Of the restaurants? Um, you know, a lot of uh, restaurants saw some comeback in June, and they were opening their doors and getting a little bit of the inside seating. Um, a lot of them still stayed with curbside and carry out. But I think what we've seen in July is that the numbers have dropped a little bit more. Uh, yeah. So where they were going up in June, it's dropped in July. And so we, you know, we are, uh, even though the restaurants have done well with their curbside carry out, um, it, they really need our support right now as well because they're, Going, kind of going backwards a little bit. Yeah, I was talking to one restaurant owner who told me that uh, it, on July 4th, it was like somebody flipped a switch. Uh, the business just mm-hmm. stopped and they're down 30%, you know, and, and you hear that from a number of restaurant owners. So um, it's really, uh, that's concerning because I think that uh, our local restaurants are one of the reasons that if for us full-time citizens, that's a big part of the quality of life that we enjoy here in Columbia is that we, we have a great selection of some very good restaurants. And so, uh, yeah, you're right. We need to get out there and, and, uh, spend our dollars locally. That's for, that's for sure. So. Absolutely. And, you know, my soapbox is spend your dollars locally. If you can't spend them right now, buy a gift certificate. If you have meetings that you're attending in person out of Columbia, bring those meetings inside Columbia. We need to support all of our businesses right now. Yeah. So on the hotel story, I mean, I guess the, the sort of the human side of the story is that you have a lot of hourly employees uh, that uh, are making 10, 11, $12 an hour who suddenly don't have work. Um, and so we're Correct. talking literally about thousands of people in Columbia's local economy. Um, what, what are you hearing? Well, I, so to put 
put it into perspective in the fiscal year, the state fiscal year 2019, we had over 11,000 um, tourism related jobs wow. in Boone County. Mm. Um, I, I would gather to say, although I don't have the number in front of me, that that was cut drastically. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those hourly employees have had to find work other other places. So when hotels are ready to open back up even more, when the business starts coming in, they won't have that employee, those employees to choose from because they had to go find another job. So not only are employees, are hotels going to be stretched with employees, the people that they're bringing in are going to have to be retrained as well. So they're, they're really starting from scratch. Yeah. That's a that that is a shame. One of the the bright spots in tourism in Columbia, Missouri, um, which has been impacted, but it's certainly it's a growth area for us. And the last time we were on the program, we talked about sports tourism. Uh, give us an update on what's happening with sports tourism in, in Columbia, Moon County. So we've had tournaments, um, and they've been played safely at our ball fields uh, almost every weekend since June. Now, they don't, even if they're coming in from St. Louis or Kansas City, uh, we don't always see the effect on hotel rooms that we would have in years past, but they have been staying with us. Um, We actually have the American Junior Golf Association beginning Sunday here for the next week uh, without spectators, but that's still a week-long nationally recognized tournament that we will be hosting here in columbia that's a pretty big Um, deal that's the first time too that that tournament has come to columbia correct yes that's the first time it's been here and we're very excited very excited to have it and Um, it's out at old hawthorne is that right so the first and i don't have that information in front of me it is that old hawthorne half of the time and country club missouri the other half okay very good so it's like sunday through wednesday it's at old hawthorne i believe and and the last part of the week it's at country club of missouri yeah so you'll Um, get some hotel rooms out of that that's a you know that's happening over four or five days and and uh those folks they got to stay somewhere i guess well they're going to stay somewhere but they're also going to have to go out to eat Mm -hmm. they're going to be shopping they're going to be spending their dollars all over the community and i think that's that's something um that's something that we should all be excited about as well yeah um you know, I, I think one one tightrope that we walk on in tourism is is inviting people at this time into the community. So our focus is is telling people that we are open, but here are the rules. So when you come to Columbia, we want you to come, we want you to shop, we want you to spend your money, but we want you to do it safely. So anytime we talk to anyone, we tell them what the ordinances are about the face mask ordinance. And we always make sure and let them know what to expect when, once they step in the city limits. And we think that's a really important part of our job right now. So your staff is basically, uh, I want to talk about some of the guidance that your staff is giving to meeting planners. If you want to go ahead and have your conference or convention here in Columbia, uh, you can do it. You've got to present a plan to the health department or the, or the CVB will. But what are some of the precautions that, that uh, convention attendees have to take? Well, uh, face mask, absolutely. Um, they have to, meeting rooms right now that used to be able to hold 50 people really can only hold 25 because of physical distancing. Mm-hmm. And then you've got to, um, 
there are things that you don't even think about, like uh, one person per six foot table or stable tables at rounds with only two or three people, no buffets, you've got to have people serving. So there's a lot of different health restrictions that you've got to um, look at as you're planning a conference. It's not impossible. It's not impossible. impossible. It can be done. Yeah. But it's, it, uh, it can it's, absolutely be yeah. done. It's just it's just a different way. It's just a different way to look at it. Mm-hmm. And um, our hoteliers are have been really good about making sure they know what the rules are. Talking to us, talking to the health department, so that when a, someone does reach out to the hoteliers, they know the rules. They're doing it right. And I have full faith that you know they'll have a great experience when yeah. they come here. Amy Schneider, Director of Columbia's Convention and Visitor Bureau, thank you for taking a few minutes out to give us an update this morning on Columbia's hospitality industry during COVID-19. We appreciate your time. This is Fred Perry. We'll see you next Saturday morning right here on Hot Talk 93.9 The Eagle. This city is my city and I love it. Yeah, I love it.